Sports. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Welcome into the Packers Wire podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review. Let us know what kind of Packers content you're looking for. Zach, good to be 3-1. and one. Nice wins by the Packers over the Niners and the Steelers, and we'll be getting into that here coming up. But first, a wild little Wednesday this week, wasn't it? Like, uh, it starts over here in, in my neck of the woods. Albert Breer uh, calls into Boston Sports Radio, says that Stefan Gilmore wants to be a Packer. There's reports already out there that the Patriots are going to release him. It was a wild couple hours there. I was preparing all kinds of stuff for the podcast. I'm sure you were writing stories <laughs> frantically. Um, I know you were because there's like five of them on Packers Wire. Yep. Uh, and then, boom, Panthers swoop in, pick him up for a six-round pick in 2023. Not even next year. <laughs> 2023. Um, the Panthers swoop in and steal Stephon Gilmore, and the story is already dead. But it was a wild couple hours there. Yeah, it was It was a fun couple hours, and it... it it kind of felt like the more and more every every report that came out, it felt like the Packers were inching closer to the finish line and they were going to get him. But man, so so the way I understand it, they the Packers did have a lot of interest. They were, you know, they're close to getting them, but um, I, I think there's some salary cap hurdles that they just couldn't get over. Mostly that, you know, Gilmore's base salary. I think it was like five and a half million left this year. Um, that would have pretty much taken up all the Packers cap in, in 2021. And they just, they don't have any other ways of making space because they uh, pretty much used them all this off season. So, yeah, I think they were hoping um, that he would get released by the Patriots, which, you know, that kind of got leaked this morning too, you know, probably to, to get some more teams interested in it. For him, sure. But, for sure. Um, yeah. They, they needed him to get released so that they could kind of, you know, work out the, the contract that they wanted to do. So yeah, you know, Panthers swooped in to make, made the deal. This is, uh, as Packer fans know, this isn't, uh, this isn't a new thing that it seems like all these big free agents, you know, I don't know if agents or teams just use the Packers to, to kind of drive up interest or price, but they always seem to be really, really close to getting these big guys. And then, you know, another team swoops in. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see if, you know, missing out on, on Stefan Gilmore hurts them big time down the road. And they better, uh, they better hope there isn't a big player too in the playoffs that, uh, you know, involves one of their backup cornerbacks. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, as a Patriots guy, I've, I've seen this coming for a while. Stefan Gilmore, ever since he was the defensive player of the year coming out of 2019, that next season, he kind of was a, a holdout threat. He wanted to raise, the Patriots finally give him a raise. He plays that season and then he's been kind of injured and he's coming off the quad this year and he wanted to get paid again. You know, he, he's just always worried about his contract and Belichick's kind of a stickler when it comes to that thing. And, you know, I guess Belichick wants him to honor a contract that he signed Zach in like 2017. Yeah. And players just aren't going to do that <laughs> nowadays, especially when they're, oh, yeah. you know, one of the best defensive players in the game. But it was kind of funny how this played out. Gilmore posts a goodbye to Patriots fans on social media, mentions Robert Kraft, does not mention Belichick at all. So clearly things um, <laughs> went south, and I'm not surprised at all. Probably at the negotiating table, right? And yeah. uh, Devontae Adams is in there in the reply saying, call me. So I thought that was fun. Uh, and th- were Packers fans kind of going crazy? Like, a- as you're posting your stuff on Packers Wire, as you're interacting on Twitter, like, Packers fans were all in, right? They were pretty excited about potentially getting Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it started early on with the, 
you know, the Schefter report that they were going to release him. And I think interest started to heat up then. And then, you know, like you said, Breer, Breer is on Boston radio saying Gilmore wants to be a Packer. Then Devante has his little recruitment pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it really did just feel like there's another Boston guy, Greg Bedard, who actually yeah. used to cover the Packers. And he was, you know, he was pretty convinced that the Packers were the favorite, regardless of whether he was getting traded or released. So there was a lot of signs pointing to the, to the Packers being the favorite, but it, man, as it's, it's, it's excited as you get, you have that little feeling in the back of your mind. Packer fans know it, that, you know, maybe this just isn't going to happen. We're going to have our, our dreams crushed again on a, on a player. And that's exactly what happened. It's twofold for Packers fans, right? Because we have Jair Alexander kind of dealing with a, an injury. We're hoping it's not super long-term. Maybe you can update that a little bit, Zach. And then obviously Zadarius Smith is out too. So you got two, yeah. two players that you really can't afford to be without. Uh, there's definitely some holes in this Packers defense and you're, you're missing two of your best players. And yeah. you got guys like Gilmore becoming available for like a split second. The Panthers swoop in. And if Gilmore could have his chance, Panthers or Packers? I don't, I don't think that's even a question. I think it's 100% yeah. the Packers, uh, but he didn't get his choice. Jalen Smith, a linebacker, cut loose by the Cowboys. Uh, personally, I'm not a big fan of Jalen Smith, but there's these kind of big name veteran guys, big money guys, cut loose on a random Wednesday and early in the season, Zach. It's kind of wild, but um, the, the Packers defense, like how long could they survive without Smith and without Alexander? And do they need a move like a Gilmore, right? Do they need to make something happen, you think, to to kind of keep pace with the offense and keep things rolling? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, I honestly don't know. I think, you know, this this defense came into the, into the season with a, they had a lot of individual talent that hasn't necessarily produced, you know, great collective results, but you know, there's, there's really good talent at, you know, every level of the defense. Now they're, you know, they're losing two all pros, you know, they're losing them at big spots. It's really hard to lose, you know, an elite player rushing the passer and an elite player that, you know, covers. So, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's going to be tough. The, the update on Jair today was, you know, the, they don't think he can play probably on Sunday, but they don't know if he needs surgery, which would end his season. So it's, we're kind of stuck in between, you know, is he going to miss one game and come back and, you know, maybe try and tough it out with a brace or something, or does he actually need surgery that's going to end his season? I don't, I don't know if they can come back from that because, you know, you lose Jair for the season and there's definitely no guarantee that Zedarius is going to be back after having, you know, back surgery. So, you know, you think about it and this is, you know, it's kind of one of the big risks of going all in, you know, cause you know, I, I do think the Packers offense can carry this team a little bit, keep them a playoff contender, especially in the NFC North. But man, you have, you know, one or two big injuries like this and your, your title shots can kind of go up and play So, Yeah. I, I think missing out on Gilmore was kind of, you look at today and it's like you lose out on an all pro Stefan Gilmore, you know, through a trade and then you could potentially lose another all pro and Jair, you know, through injury. So that's kind of a, a double whammy there. And, you know, you mentioned Jalen Smith. I'm not super excited. It, it does sound like they're going to probably sign him, but I'm, I'm like you said, I'm not super excited about that. I think, you know, he's, he's kind of regressed as a player. He's, he's definitely not, you know, the, the super great athlete that he was at Notre Dame before that injury. So um, I think maybe adding some competition at linebacker would be fine. Devondre Campbell's having a, a great year, but, and, you know, maybe Joe Barry can, you know, kind of revive um, Jalen Smith's career, kind of how he has done with uh, Devondre Campbell. But 
I don't know. I don't, I don't think Jalen Smith is going to end up making up for uh, potentially losing Jair and Zedarius for the, for the whole season. Nine and Jalen was such a, he's such a big name for the Cowboys. Jerry Jones loved him. He's, he's like the face of the franchise. And then they come out with hard knocks. He's not even part of the show. Like he's not even yeah. in it. Like there was nothing about Jalen Smith. And that's usually the player that you think Jerry Jones would put in front of the camera. But Micah Parsons getting more run on hard knocks than Jalen Smith. And then the season starts and you start, you watch those two playing next to each other. And it's like, man, Micah Parsons so much better than Jalen Smith. So I think, yeah. I, yeah, if the Packers sign him, he's more of a depth piece. He's not really a game changer. It was a gut punch today when you, when you don't end up with, uh, with Stephon Gilmore, that, that hurts, man. Um, it does. And the thing with Gilmore too, Zach, is he was on the pup list, right? So he's not even eligible to play until week six. But I don't think that he's dealing with an injury at all. I think he's healthy. So I think he would have been able to. He would have been ready to roll. Like maybe just get into football shape for a couple of weeks and then be ready to roll. I think he's coming off a quad last year that ended his season, and he could have practiced this year. He did one of those hold in things where he was yeah. like, "Hey, Bill, pay me more money." And Bill's like, well, why don't you practice? And I can see your quads all right. And he's like, no, thank you. Why don't you pay me? And and Bill said, no, thank you. I'll put you in the pup list if you can't practice. So I, I, I think that's all. I don't think he's hurt. I think he's ready to help a team. Panthers swoop in and stole him. So definitely a gut punch. But let's move on. We have to, Zach. Um, the Packers, they've won two straight against the Niners and the Steelers. And that's something to feel good about. And I really feel like Rodgers, he's in peak form. His offensive line has held him together, right? He's only sacked four times, I think, against those two teams. That's pretty good. So uh, what you what you learn about the team during these wins over the 49ers and the Steelers? Yeah, you, you brought it up with offensive line. I think, you know, the biggest thing we've learned is that, you know, this team can respond to a physical challenge on offense with, you, you know, without two of their best offensive linemen. They don't have David Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins. So, um yeah, I don't. I don't think what this team has accomplished over the last two weeks has gotten as much attention nationally as probably it should have because, you know, they scored 57 points against the 49ers Steelers. Two, you know, pretty good defenses. I don't know if we call them elite, but they're really good defenses. Really, really good fronts. And the Packers started Yash Nijman, undrafted free agent who had zero career starts going into that 49ers game. John Running, sixth round pick last year, one career start. Two rookies, Josh Meyer and. Josh Myers at center and Royce Newman at right guard. And then, you know, just one real veteran and Billy Turner at right tackle. So, um, you know, you look at those games, Rogers was well protected in both games. You said four sacks, but you know, one was the TJ Watt tripping. Incident, <laughs> Good point. Good point. Very, very clearly a trip. Yep. And then, then the other one was just a, a play where Rogers was kind of scrambling out, scrambling around and he ended up just sliding down. I think Watt ended up getting the sack for that too. So, um, yeah, what they accomplished over the last two games, just, you know, winning those physical challenges up front, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment for them. I, I think Rodgers deserves a lot of credit, too, because, you know, you look at the way he played, and he was so good, you know, just getting the ball out on time and, you know, kind of helping out that offensive line. I think they did a, a lot of good things in the passing game to, you know, protect the line, quick passing game, did a lot of chips, you know, helped those tackles out a bunch. So, yeah, it was just uh, – it was a masterful job, I'd say, of coaching, you know, coaching those guys to be ready, you know, developing young players along the offensive line, which is really, really hard to do. You look, you know, look around the NFL and there's, you know, it's it's hard to develop these guys early in their careers. And then, you know, just execution from all the players, especially the, the quarterback. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing we learned that, you know, this team can, you know, face some of those physical teams. You look at the, you know, the Bucks game, the NFC title game, they kind of got pushed around a little bit in that mm-hmm. game. And, you know, 
they come out and they, you know, they, they really responded to these two challenges against two really good fronts. So I think uh, that's a really positive thing coming out of these two games. Now you caught me looking at the box score with those four sacks. Zach, I forgot that TJ Watt <laughs> cheated for two of those. He cheated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's not good. Yep. Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com has his fantasy plays of the week, and I actually have a Packer that I want to start playing in fantasy, but I want to make sure Zach approves first. So we'll do that coming up next. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. Hello, fantasy faithful. Welcome to week five of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays. Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins versus the Detroit Lions. While statistically this actually ranks as just the 20th best matchup for quarterbacks, much of that is due to facing San Francisco and Chicago. Detroit gave up over 24 fantasy points to Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers, and Cousins should benefit from a healthier Dalvin Cook to keep the defense focused off of the passing attack. Also working in his favor, Detroit lost arguably its best pass rusher this past week, and Kirk Cousins has gone for three touchdowns or more in three of his last four games versus the Lions. Atlanta Falcons running back Mike Davis versus the New York Jets. Cordero Patterson has received all of the hype, and rightfully so, but Davis has managed to remain a weekly play. It hasn't been pretty, and he hasn't been explosive. But what better time to bring in a Jets defense that has given up 111.8 rushing yards per game, that's the 7th most, 8 catches, the 2nd most, and 72 yards to the air, also the 2nd most, to the running back position. One in every 22.2 touches by RBs have made it into the end zone. Miami Dolphins wide receiver Jalen Waddle at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We could see tons of short passes to Waddle against Tampa Bay if the Buccaneers can pressure Jacoby Brissett heavily. Last week we saw signs of the Buccaneers pass rush coming to life. In week four, Waddle saw only four targets, but he had 12 passes come his way the prior week against a very capable Las Vegas pass rush. More pressure could equal shorter passes to get the ball out of the hands faster for Jacoby Brissett. No Will Fuller also means more work for Jalen Waddle. Despite all of Tampa's injuries in the secondary, the existing personnel actually matches up fairly well with the wide receivers from Miami. Look for Waddle to be used as a quasi-running back in this game. Cincinnati Bengals tight end C.J. Ozoma against the Green Bay Packers. He was a two-touchdown performer last week and has only a minor role, but he gets a chance to show it wasn't a fluke against a defense that has allowed averages of over six catches a game, 56 yards per game, and a touchdown every eight and a quarter catches to the position. This is the number seven overall matchup in PPR, number eight in standard scoring, and Green Bay's secondary and linebacking core will really be scraping at the bottom of the barrel to provide adequate depth after several injuries in both layers. While there's a lot of fluidity about the personnel situation, what is static? Green Bay stinks at guarding tight ends. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please check out the award-winning Huddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the Huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Typico for terms and conditions, 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Zach, one key takeaway in this win over the Steelers was uh, Mr. Battering Ram, A.J. Dillon. We haven't seen a lot of him, right? It's been a lot of, a lot of Aaron Jones, and when Jones is tired and wants one playoff, A.J. Dillon comes in, he runs for like four yards, and then... Uh, Aaron Jones comes back on the field, right? That's pretty much what we've been seeing with the Packers. It has not been a rotation. It has not been a one-two punch like we kind of talked about in the preseason. No, it's been Aaron Jones doing his thing and A.J. Dillon, Dillon kind of coming in every now and then and, and spelling him. But it, 
something changed in this matchup. And uh, the Packers, you know, they they gave him a bunch of touches, 15 carries, 81 yards. I thought he really weared down the Pittsburgh defense in that second half. And the, and the Packers, like you were saying before the break there, like really used a physical way to end that game and kind of take it to the Steelers late. So I loved it. The one-two punch thing. You know, I look at the, a team like the Cowboys. They're really utilizing Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, and it's it looks good when you're doing that. You get the you're keeping both guys fresh. I thought that they'd be using AJ Dillon a little bit differently this year, more like we saw against the Steelers. So, what's been going on with Dillon, and do you think like he becomes fantasy relevant all of a sudden? You know, coming out of our fantasy segment there. Yeah, it's a good question. I think you know, early on this season, I I, I do think they. You know, they struggled getting in a rhythm early in games and they weren't running a ton of plays, you know, especially week one. They, you know, they hardly had the ball. So, Throw that one out. Um, Throw that one out. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard to get both running backs on the field. I think, I think now you're seeing a little bit that they're figuring out, you know, their identity, you know, you know, leaning on that run game a little bit more, um, especially to help out you know, with that young offensive line. And you look at that game Sunday, I think it's going to be hard to keep, you know, Dylan off the field. I, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't get the sense that the offensive line is, is blocking in the run game as well as they have in recent years. And I, I think that's made life a little difficult on Aaron Jones, who's a little more dependent on, you know, there being a hole and kind of darting through a hole. You know, Dylan is just so big and, you know, so fast. He gets moving downhill so fast that I don't think he needs maybe as great a blocking up front. You know, he's going to fall forward. He's going to break a tackle. You know, he's going to gain that four or five yards every play. So, um I do think he's, you know, he's going to be a big part of what they're doing moving forward. And I, I, I've, I've always looked back to last year and even the last couple of years, just how they used, you know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And, you know, they, they gave, they gave Jamal Williams a lot of touches. I think he was in that 150 range for both, both the last two years. So I, I, I do think Dylan's going to be a big part of this offense. I think, you know, you, you can't make, Aaron Jones, he's, you know, he, he's a pretty good tackle breaker, but he's not one of those guys that can, you know, take 20, 25 touches every game. So I think Dylan, having Dylan, you know, carry the ball 15 times a game, that's that's going to be a good way to keep Aaron Jones fresh. And it's, it's going to be a good way to, you know, make him fantasy relevant too, because I think he can do a lot of, a lot of stuff with uh, with just 15 touches. And, you know, he's getting some he's getting some play in the passing game too. So I think to, to really be fantasy relevant, I, I'd want him to, you know, get a few more, few more chances in the red zone he had that you know that 25 yard run against the Steelers he got stopped at the one and you know he was back on the field but I think Rodgers had a little RPO that he ended up hitting um Randall Cobb you know pad his stats a little bit yep. but you gotta get Cobb some um, love yeah yeah you gotta get Cobb some love you gotta get your best friend another touchdown so <laughs> I, I do think I do think Dylan's gonna he's gonna be a big part of the offense I I'd like to see him get some more of those you know short yardage red zone carries and you know, maybe his fantasy uh, value will really skyrocket here. I'm glad Aaron Rodgers went out and got Randall Cobb. Oh, wait, was it was it the front office? Whatever. No, I think I think Rodgers went out and got Cobb and he, he looks good. Like, I, I forgot. Like, I'm like, wait, why, why does Randall Cobb look as look as good as he did early in his career? It's like he just he puts on the Packers uniform again, Zach, and he's like rejuvenated. It's awesome. Yeah. The, yeah. The crazy thing was when, you know, when they let him go after the 2018 season that year, he was so banged up. He had like three different lower body injuries. He could barely run. There was a, there was a play where he got run down by one of the, the bears linebackers. And you're like, I don't know if this guy's got it anymore. Like, mm. you know, you got, you got to be quick and explosive to play in the slot. And he looked really quick and explosive on Sunday. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, maybe, you know, maybe he's healthy. He's ready to be that, you know, pretty consistent slot guy again. 
I like it. He looks good. And and speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I had to ask you this, Zach. I had to put you know this is coming. I put this in our notes. Um, now Rodgers has downplayed his love for the Steelers and Mike Tomlin uh, since I think with Pat McAfee and post game. Yeah. But should we believe him? Right, because the Twitter memes of Tomlin and Rodgers winking at each other, blowing kisses, whatever they were doing, um, it was hilarious. I loved it. But it was also like get a room, guys. Like it was a kind of embarrassing. Yeah. These two like winking and smiling at each other. And then Rodgers, after the game, he can't wait to to tell us how much he respects Mike Tomlin. He says he likes how Mike Tomlin talks after the game with his Mike Tomlin-isms, as you know, his weird yeah. way of kind of breaking down football and talking. And I don't know, it's the Steelers. I mean, they do have an aging quarterback, Zach, who could barely you know get things done right now. And Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. he's kind of like playing out the string. And we, we did both predicted kind of earlier on that this probably is the last season for Rodgers in a Packers uniform. So this is almost too perfect, the timing, right? If it is a Rodgers-Tomlin marriage next year, like, what do you think? Is there any is there any meat on that bone? I, honestly, it, it makes sense to me. And it I, does. I do think, like, respecting the next coach that he plays for is going to be a huge part of, you know, that decision and, you know, where he where he wants to go. So I, I wouldn't downplay how much he he's talking about respecting Mike Tomlin because that could play a huge factor. And, you know, I, I was actually thinking, you know, during that game, what would the score have been in that game if the quarterbacks had been switched? Because, you know, Big Ben, obviously, he was terrible in that game. He missed two big throws, two or three probably big throws that could have really changed that game. You know, his accuracy was all over the place. And, you know, he doesn't move that well or avoid sacks well anymore. So, you know, his value as a player has really plummeted for the Steelers. But you put, I think you put Rodgers on that team, you know, with some of those weapons and, you know, some of those guys that were getting open. And I think, I think the Steelers probably score 30 something points of that game and probably win. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, Pittsburgh with all of the things they got going on, on offense and defense, that can make a lot of sense. And, you know, they're an AFC team. So that's going to be a preference for the Packers and, you know, you look, you look at that situation and the Steelers, they, they do feel like a team that, you know, they could be like a quarterback or two, you know, get, get a couple additions on the offensive line away from being like, you know, like a Buccaneers like team yep. in 2022. Yep. Don't you yep. think like, yep. I like it. That, that's, a, that's exactly what, you know, you put Tom Brady on that, that really talented Tampa team and they took off. So I, I can see some of the, the parallels there and, you know, it, it makes sense to me if this is it for the Packers and Rodgers in 2021. It'd be, it'd be a little scary, you know, if you brought in, yeah. you have to bring in a slot guy, maybe it brings Randall Cobb over. I don't know. How long is Randall mm-hmm. Cobb under contract? One year? So I, I don't know about Juju Smith-Schuster at the slot. I know he's only here on a one-year deal for Pittsburgh, so maybe Rodgers would have to go get another slot guy. Definitely, they'd have to bolster up that offensive line because it's terrible. Yep. Um, but they just drafted Najee Harris. You got Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson on the outside. I don't know if it gets better than that. They're really good. Um, so, yeah. He'd be scary. He'd look weird in the Steelers uniform, Zach, but it, they would be scary. Yeah. They would be scary. All right, Packers, they're about to uh, go on the road and face Joe Burrow in the Bengals. You ready for this? The Bengals. Are they for real? Three and one. We'll talk about it coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Bet Slippin' Podcast and SportsbookWire.com. Here with my colleague, Jeff Clark to break down the week five Sunday night football matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are two and a half point home favorites, minus 122 odds. The Bills plus 2.5, minus 102. I'm really on the Chiefs here. They've had the much tougher schedule of the Bills. I think the Bills might be a little bit too used to playing cupcake opponents. And the Chiefs handled the Bills twice last season, including the AFC Championship game. 
this is a very manual number for them. They're in the thick or they're in the bottom of the AFC West. They need to start piling up the wins. The Bills are in cruise control atop the AFC East. Give me Kansas City. Jeff? Yeah, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills plus two and a half. Speaking of cupcake schedules, the Bills definitely play a cupcake schedule, but I don't think they're going to play an easier defense all season, the Kansas City Chiefs. They have more balance. They're better on both sides of the ball. Uh, they got a higher EPA differential, and I'm going to go with the Bills plus two and a half, and might even sprinkle a little bit on the dog's money line here. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Zach, Packers, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the Tipico app. They're on the road to face Joey Burrow in the Bengals. Um, the same Bengals team that should have trailed the Jaguars by 21 points last Thursday night. You remember that game? Trevor yeah. Lawrence, he's trying to sneak it in. That would have been 21-0. Instead, the defense makes a huge stop at the goal line. Bengals come back and win it. They're 3-1, and one, just like the Packers. Bengals had some extra time to prepare for this one. They're at home. But this kind of feels like a game folks should pounce on, right? It's the Packers, three-and-a-half-point favorites only three and a half we should be able to beat the Bengals by more than that right I, I kind of want to pick the Packers what do you think yeah so I don't know why exactly but this game is giving me some some bad vibes for the Packers I think it has to do something with you know the Packers just played two really physical teams 49ers and, and Steelers in back-to-back weeks Bengals have just had this little you know mini buy after the Thursday night game that's a big deal yep you know they're, they're playing at home and then you know the Packers are playing a road game in the noon time slot, central time. And I think that can affect the team because they played all late afternoon and night games so far. And Aaron Rodgers just actually mentioned it today. But, you know, playing in that noon time slot on the road, that can really affect a team, especially in, you know, just the way they come out and the energy early in the game. So I think that's going to play a factor. And then, you know, the Packers injury situation at cornerback, I think, you know, those Bengals receivers are pretty good, you know, you know, Joe Burrow can can get them the ball. I think that's a that's a scary matchup potentially. And then I also think the Bengals' defense is a little bit better than they're maybe getting credit for. So I don't know. I think I think this is going to be a close game. I, I understand why they're only three and a half point favorites because I don't love them in this game. I I picked them twenty eight twenty seven in my my little prediction. But you know, uncommon opponents like this they always create interesting outcomes. The Packers and Bengals have actually played some some super interesting games. They only play once every four years, but they've had some wild games um, over the last decade or so. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals cover that line as a home underdog. Okay. So 28, 27 is what you had. I mean, we did pick the score exactly right last week. We, I think we both I, had 27, 17, didn't we? I, I was going to throw that in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had that exactly right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We were all over that when we were picking the over under. So, okay. So I hear you on that. You know, your Packers, those are some valid points. So, okay, I might stay away from the spread then. The total is at 51 and a half. My gut reaction, Zach, was that it's too high. Like, I, I don't know. For some reason, I think this could be uh, kind of what you just said, like a lower scoring kind of game in the 20s, that type of thing. I don't expect this to be like a high scoring shootout. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. The Bengals do have some weapons. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, right? Um, they got some. They got some players, but I don't know. Something tells me this game could be kind of ugly and not up in the 30s and 40s. That's kind of where I'm at. I feel like 50, 51 and a half is a little too high for me. 
I think I'm I'm hoping for a shootout because I think that would be super interesting for these two teams. That you know, Bengals have some good weapons in the passing game. I think I think they could take advantage there a little bit, but um, you know, the, the Bengals haven't played a game with over 51 points this whole season, so. I think maybe the under is the play here. Um, you know, maybe the Packers injuries on, on defense aren't as significant as we think. I think, uh, you know, the, the Packers are going to score. I think the, the Bengals defense isn't going to completely shut them down. But yeah, like you said, I, I could see, you know, you know, mid twenties, you know, somewhere in there for both teams and, you know, probably going under the 51 and a half. No, you're making me a little nervous, Zach. I could hear it in your voice. There's some trepidation about this <laughs> Bengals team. There's some trepidation there. Yeah, I, I don't know why, because I, I, I feel like they should, you know, comfortably go on the road and, and beat a team like this. But I don't know. There's there's just some intangible things that give me some pause about the game that, you know, I, I, I hate the word letdown because I, I don't know if that actually exists with players, but. I do think the the physical aspect where you're you're coming off the two big games, you know, against really physical teams, they kind of wear you down. And then the Bengals have this big stretch where they're off and got a couple extra days pre- to prepare. Packers got to go on the road. It's just, it gives me a, a weird vibe. I don't know. Interesting game. Packers, Bengals. You'd think that yeah. it would be a shoe win, right? But maybe not. This This is an interesting little team. The Bengals are um, kind of on the come. Have they arrived? I guess we'll find out. Should be a good one. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Like we said earlier, hit subscribe, tell a friend, leave us a review. Enjoy football, and we will talk to you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.